0: Mean! Woo! Gene! Welcome to the second episode of Hops and Box Office Flops brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com I am one of your hosts, the Thunderous Wizard, along with... This is the Irate Lover And we are here to cover the WCW Disaster Ready to Rumble So, ready to rumble Came out in the year 2000, cost $24 million to make. Seems high. Seems a little high, based upon what we saw. I think it all went to the Macho Man cameo in the convenience store.
1: (laughs) Did you see at the end of the movie that Oliver Platt fucking punches Macho Man on accident? It was like a a gag reel during the credits.
0: It had to be the least impactful potato he ever took.
1: It's not. I felt so bad for Platt. He probably thought he was going to die.
0: Also, for a guy who had a stunt double for literally 96.7% of his scenes, should you have had him throwing a punch at the Macho Man?
1: Like, uh, legitimate question, why don't you just cast a wrestler? Because it's not like Platt had meaningful speaking parts. here's Here's my thought. Cast a wrestler to play Jimmy King or cast a Southerner That can pull off that accent.
0: What do you mean, baby?
1: (laughs) Or or anybody that can do an Elvis impression, I guess.
0: There was a lot of options, and they selected probably one of the worst ones. And I love Oliver Platt, but the stunt doubling in this movie is incredibly obvious, because not only does his face thin out, but he turns into a full-blooded Italian, probably a Sicilian man. Okay. Very tan.
1: (laughs) There was a scene, I think it was either the training montage... Or, was there a training
0: montage?
1: <laughs> yeah, with the old guy from Ontario. Oh, with Sal Bandini. Yeah. yeah, but I think that uh, at one point he's thrown to the mat and he looks just like Sex Machine from From Dusk Till Dawn.
0: Yeah, that's Canyon. Yeah, it's, uh, it was unbelievable. That's his stunt double. Ugh. Although now I kind of wish it was Sex Machine.
1: <laughs> well, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's not you know, get into Oliver Platt just yet. I want to start with the intro. Um, I noticed right away during the credits there was a a face sitting scene with an obese Polynesian man in overalls. What the hell was that? Was that Rikishi?
0: Oh, you know, oh, when they're showing he's de- detailing all the greats of wrestling.
1: It's like the opening credits, and I—I've never seen. I've seen the face sitting move, but I've never seen someone do it in overalls. I was could have been
0: Abdullah the Butcher.
1: I can't believe you know that. Oh, by the way, fuck you for making me watch this. If anybody's wondering, they should never watch this movie. He's, I spent, a, he's
0: incorrect. But
1: I, I spent three ninety nine renting this, uh, watched half of it, passed out because I'm on some uh, muscle relaxers, woke up in a panic attack because I only had like three hours left on my rental, thought I was going to have to pay again, but I got through it. So uh, don't rent this fucking movie.
0: Here's what I will say. I never in my life thought it would be more difficult to find a movie on a streaming service than it was to find the island of Dr. Moreau. But this movie was so difficult to find that I actually had to hook my iPad up to my television to watch it on my television. I bought it through Xbox and the Microsoft store.
1: And I really want to see like how many other people have done that.
0: I'm really excited for your recommendations now. Dude, it's
1: going <laughs> to just screw
0: everything up. So $24 million, too high, made 12 and a half, <laughs> 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, also probably a little high. Now, here's the best reviewer quote I found. I didn't look very hard. Excrement could have easily received third billing, and I don't think that's an undersell.
1: I think that's fair, and it reminds me of one of the hardest scenes to watch, in my opinion, which is when they are eating fast food on the back of a shit truck
0: Yes I was gonna I have this in notes yes. and there's
1: feces dripping I want to say three inches away from tweeter and Arquette's faces I I like couldn't watch I had to look away
0: A lot of sludge coming out of the truck Neither is bothered by it. I don't know why you have that effect in there. We already know that these two guys are sort of losers.
1: Oh how do you know that? Because in the uh, this, opening scene, they're talking to children and arguing with a gas station attendant.
0: Here's one of, the, here's one of my big curiosities about this movie, which I was going to get to, but I think it's really important we cover it now, is this movie, which I guess was made to re WCW to its fans that were leaving in like large numbers, just abandoning ship because the product was terrible. It was supposed to bring them all back. But this movie absolutely hates wrestling, and it hates wrestling fans.
1: Yeah, I distinctly remember Lance Harbor's dad. Which, by the way, just to kind of give you a feel for what this movie's like, the movie it reminded me most of is like Joe Dirt. It's like that comedy that maybe when I was like 12 or younger I might have laughed at. But revisiting it, just not great. It's kind of like Joe Dirt crossed with Varsity Blues. So Lance Harbor's dad obviously is in it. Tweeter's in it. Lance Harbor's dad is David Arquette's dad. And I believe he says at one point, wrestling is a game for little boys and lily pickers and dirtbags and retards. Sorry about the hard R, his words. But yeah, they they really pick on people that like wrestling. It's uh, it's
0: weird. This movie will let you know two things right away. Wrestling is fake. Also (laughs) not a good idea when you're trying to uh, get back in the good graces of your fans. And if you watch it, you're a piece of shit.
1: Hey, how can we uh, really promote our sport? Ooh, how about we make it look like it's for the mentally handicapped and white trash people? How can we do that? Let's do a real live audience for a house show at WCW. That's one thing I'll give them is when you go out and see the fans at the at the last scene, Started to jump ahead, but the fans in the crowd, I do think are a good representation of probably who goes to like a house show at a wrestling event.
0: That's not entirely true. I go to many house shows. <laughs> well, it's accurate.
1: You're wearing a fucking Rick Flair shirt right now. Woo! You have a problem.
0: A little bit, yes. Uh, By the way,
1: did the reason I had to watch this was because people that go to your website, the website you write for, voted for it?
0: Yeah, I. Uh, you know, I really tried to sell Suburban Commando. In fact, there was several other options I would have preferred than this movie, knowing what we were getting into.
1: Well, I'd like to say a big fuck you to everybody that goes to this website. You made me watch this piece of shit movie. Also, I'm out
0: $4. $4. I really... It, you can buy it for 14 Also, seems high.
1: Also, I am not surprised to hear that this is PG-13. I just asked you that before the show.
0: They do have an F-bomb in this movie.
1: There's an F-bomb. Also, the slogan for Jimmy King is, uh, I'm going to rule your ass, which is very aggressive for PG13 but in that first scene when they're when he's dreaming dreaming about fighting the gas station attendant they call each other like boobs and jerkos so I how always hate when they do like those real lame insults that you have to do when it's PG13
0: at least he sticks his finger in his butt and gets a return on the Slurpee. not gonna lie that actually kind of made me laugh <laughs> I uh, I immediately thought of the chocolate covered pretzels bit from mall (laughs) rats so first thing before we get too far into the weeds if you could describe this the plot of this movie in one sentence what would it be now we have a couple examples because uh back before when we had cable cox would always have the stupidest possible descriptions for movies so
1: i remember some cox cable descriptions for example the Predator was described as a sneaky alien, and leprechaun was described as an Irish fairy
0: yes yeah. that is true so Critters three starring Leonardo DiCaprio Oscar winner, probably should have won it for that movie didn't happen years later he finally gets what he deserves. That's a bold statement you know because that movie required everything yeah it was a panic scenario, a lot of emotions at play, survival you're scared, but that movie was described as Little aliens seek snacks in the city. Uh, uh, fuck it. accurate. I think it's. I mean, it's close. I mean, yeah.
1: it's just no fat on that at all.
0: That's and accurate. A, and as you said, Leprechaun, an Irish fairy, escapes from a crate and goes on a gory quest for a hundred gold, hundred stolen gold coins.
1: I mean, it's like it's like how can we just not say Leprechaun in this description?
0: What's so weird? so ready to rumble.
1: Do you have yours? Are you putting me on the phone? I slide? have mine. I have mine. Do I have to go first This here? is
0: the plot of the movie to me. Okay. Two dunces save a man's career by encouraging him to break into his old place of work, assault his boss, and strong arm him into giving him his job back. You
1: are very prepared for this podcast. I am huh? very prepared. All right. So this is like like what I remember being the pertinent plot of the movie, I guess. That's what we're looking for? Yeah. All right, because it's probably like an A story and a B story. But I'll say the A story is... the is, B
0: story the Sean's romance with the fast food woman who he doesn't actually like, but then she's the one who's willing to sleep with him in an RV that belongs to a homeless wrestler?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Wendy, I think her name was. I think and, it's Wendy, yeah. And a very problematic scene where he says, why don't you just sleep with Wendy? And he says, she's like a guy, that's gross.
0: Yeah, that probably doesn't fly as well. That it doesn't
1: play on several levels, but, um, all right. So my one sentence synopsis of this movie, man with Tourette's and, uh, cocaine problem violently loses his virginity. Is that good?
0: That is like the B subplot. And, and, you know, That's the A story. Isn't
1: yeah. Arquette? Arquette's the lead. I guess, in this, he, right? I
0: guess Gordy is, the, is Gordy. the star of the show. And he winds up with the better wrestling gimmick. And for those of you film buffs out there, the woman he sleeps with, I forget her, she's a Nitro girl, but not a real Nitro girl. Rose McGowan. played by Rose McGowan, who was his sister in Scream.
1: Here's a question for you. How much cocaine did Arquette actually do during this movie? Of the $24 million budget, how much of that was just his coke?
0: He did less cocaine during this movie than when he got stabbed in the neck recently <laughs> at, during a death match was, in an indie wrestling show.
1: I saw that clip.
0: Which I'll, I'll uh, tweet that out so you guys can all see a light bulb shatter and then go directly into his neck.
1: I was like a, a medium wrestling fan growing up. Like, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, all that stuff. But I don't remember actually knowing Nitro Girls by name.
0: Did you? I only knew... Oh, Jesus. Kimberly, because she was married to DDP. And back when I thought wrestling was real, which I believed well into my teens. Well, until uh, you
1: saw this movie.
0: So I was 13, and DDP and the Macho Man had a huge feud that went into Halloween Havoc. And the Macho Man had like a Playboy magazine with Diamond Dallas Page's wife on it. And he was like you know, getting ready to open it and like expose her in front of the Nitro crowd. And I'm like, you can't do that, man. That's his wife. You can't do that, macho man. You're crossing the line. Uh, So needless to say, I was a little heartbroken years later when I found out this was all just a work. So
1: the short answer to that is you actually did know Nitro girl names.
0: I did. Just Kimberly. Also, I had the WCW calendar and the Nitro girls were December.
1: I can't believe you slapped him to WCW girls.
0: Wait, <laughs> wait! Just one month
1: was girls. The rest edit, were men. That out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So here now, I have a couple of questions about w- things that happen in this movie. I
1: also have a couple of questions. Go, you go ahead and start. So
0: we mentioned that Lance Harbor, Lance Harbor's dad from Varsity Blues is kind of a psychopath in this movie. Uh, here's here's something he says to his son about following your dream, because his son obviously loved wrestling. He said, Charlie Manson was following his dream. Seems a bit extreme when your son is undereducated and just wants to get dressed up in a costume and wrestle people. I feel like
1: there are more, less aggressive examples of people following their dreams and failing. But I will say that the tone of this was like almost slapstick. Like... I was shocked when Arquette goes home for the first time. uh, Sorry, Gordy. And all three, who I I believe are his father, mother, and sister, are dressed in full Mountie gear, including glasses and hat, and eating breakfast, and they all three pull revolvers on him. So I I believe the tone of the movie was slapstick, if you will. But then, yeah, they said stuff like that, like, comparing him to Charlie Manson and stuff. It, uh,
0: real weird. It goes way over the top with the humor. As another example with his dad, he, he he sees his son, Gordy, on Nitro. Which, by the way, at this point, they've just broken into a private event, literally assaulted someone, and somehow they're rewarded with a match. But really, the match is just an excuse to kill Jimmy the King.
1: <laughs> so, so well, little... Okay, so this is when I was introduced to... Uh, the, the captain from Bad Boys. Um, Joey Pants. Uh, Joey Pants, the guy from Sopranos. But the captain from Bad Boys, where I know him from. He is dressed, I would describe him as, like, Apache Shawn Michaels. That's what he looks like. He's wearing, like, a, a very stereotypical Native American denim jacket. A cowboy and hat. Ha- a cowboy hat. Again, Apache Shawn Michaels. And I was very confused as to his role in this film if he was going to be a wrestler or like a promoter but yeah that was uh, the wardrobe choice in this well the one that made sense to me was platt being dressed like someone going to a renaissance festival because they just had to cover a lot of that up
0: oliver platt was the black knight from a out of business <laughs> medieval times and Joey Pants. I like looks that it's like...
1: out of business. <laughs> why would, Why are they still dressing up?
0: It's cause, you know he had no he had no place else to turn. <laughs> He'd never give up that life. Once you've lived in the time of swords and stones, <laughs> you don't just give that up. Uh, and Joey Pants, I would describe him as either a crystal salesman <laughs> in a remote part of New Mexico, or he's the manager at a buffalo jerky emporium.
1: That's yeah. He does look like someone that would sell you like those that turquoise jewelry in New Mexico. It's a good call.
0: Now the funny thing is, his character wasn't actually supposed to exist. His character was supposed to be Eric Bischoff playing a more yeah. That was my question. Why wasn't Bischoff in this? But Bischoff had been fired um, prior to shooting, so they rewrote the role. Uh, and also, did I see
1: a maskless Ray Mysterio Jr.?
0: Yes, that is also he is in the opening Nitro match. This was at the point in his career that WWE would love everyone to forget. He was maskless. Mm. Bischoff worked for years to get that mask off him because for some reason he wanted to demask all the luchador wrestlers, which is a high, you know, it's 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 the height of honor to have a mask in Mexican wrestling. And for some reason Bischoff just did not at all respect that. Now couple other questions I have. We have the opening match in Nitro, which is really the catalyst for everything that happens. All the really just funny, funny stuff. But that match turns into a shoot, like an actual fist fight. They're they're burying Jimmy the King uh, because he's a drunk and he shows up late. And he really doesn't fit into his costume super well. He
1: is a great drunk, though. At one point, he's just chugging a bottle of Carlo Rossi.
0: You know, that's another, that's another question I have. They find him, and he's dressed in drag. It's like, who's he hiding from? <laughs> well, he dressed
1: in drag, but kept the beard. <laughs> but kept the beard.
0: He didn't shave his beard, but he's in drag. So so they're in this shoot match. They're fighting. So a shoot is like when, when a match turns into something more real. Nerd. And they're, yet they're still trying to finish each other with their wrestling finishing moves. So in the midst of this fist fight, he's like, oh, i got to set him up for the diamond cutter. And Jimmy the King's trying to do his idiotic Double axe handle from the top rope, which is the crown, which is – come on. Is that like – everybody and their mother does a double axe handle from either the second or third rope. It's not a finishing move. They could have come up with something a little bit better, I think.
1: That Oliver Platt could have done?
0: Well, as we know, Chris Canyon did all the hard <laughs> stuff. So
1: Chris Canyon is his stunt
0: double. Chris Canyon is his stunt double. And when we talk about uh, some of the things you can't believe you saw – Chris Kane is also one of the several deceased wrestlers in this movie.
1: I did... uh, When I watch a lot of movies, I usually have two questions. And it's, did these two characters actually have sex? And is he or she alive? And for this one, I did wonder who actually had sex in real life in this movie. But I also wondered, how many of these people are actually still alive? Because it was mostly old wrestlers.
0: Well, of the ones I know who are deceased, uh, Kurt Henning, obviously, who... Appears as one of the king's men.
1: Is that Mr. Perfect?
0: Mr. Perfect. Oh,
1: okay, so I have a question about Mr. Perfect. Now that I know he's dead, R.I.P., no disrespect. But is he also the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop?
0: No, that's Mr. Perfect's bastard son from his affair <laughs> with John Cree from The Karate Kid. They look a lot alike.
1: I think that guy's also in Kingpin.
0: <laughs> uh, he works at the strip club, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I've only other seen him like seen it like maybe one other thing and I can't even remember it. If they if there's like a twenty three and me floating around of
1: both of those guys' family members, let's let's compare.
0: I'd like a, a face swap. Like how much different is the face swap gonna look? Is you're trading one greasy hairstyle
1: for just, another? Just a blonde ponytail with a brown ponytail. That's it. Are you out of questions? Because I have a lot more questions.
0: No, so <laughs> I'm not. Oh, wait,
1: I, you weren't done naming dead people.
0: Oh, so Rick.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> whoa, 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 not Rick Flair.
0: <laughs> this movie was loosely based Ooh, on Rick Flair. I
1: guess depending on when you apparently. release the podcast, that <laughs> could be
0: edited out. So that's the one thing I, I, I found pretty curious because Rick Flair is apparently the inspiration for Jimmy King. What did wh- Rick Flair do? to the makers of this movie that they're like, we're just going to throw everything. He's a drunk. He's a loser. He's broke. He's a deadbeat father.
1: What? Okay. This I mean, doesn't make a lot of sense because to me, Oliver Platt is just like a Southern Elvis impersonator dressed, like you said, like a knight. So I got zero Ric Flair out of him.
0: That's, that's just what in my, in my, in my, Research activities, that's what I discovered. And the funny thing is, funny, it's at uh, a combination just... of Jerry the King Lawler and Ric Flair. But clearly, I think what they did was, they're like, you know what's the most insulting thing we could do to Ric Flair, who has probably the greatest gimmick of all time? Turn him into Jerry the King Lawler, who has a stupid gimmick and always has.
1: Rude. It's Very a terrible rude. gimmick. Um, I noticed you said you did research. I would like to point out to the audience, I've done zero research. But... Um... I'm going to start Googling stuff so I'm not behind.
0: So here's my question. Stephen Brill wrote this movie. Can you, can you think, just take a wild guess of maybe another movie he wrote? Oh, Varsity Blues? No. He wrote All Three Mighty Ducks. Much more inspirational than this piece. So I'm, <laughs> it was like this dark period in his life where...
1: <laughs> Did you just call the Three Mighty Ducks films inspirational?
0: The Mighty Ducks films have it all. Well, the first one does. That's Political a, intrigue. It's no. an underdog story. No, like Camaraderie. God.
1: This is a problem? It's a,
0: you know, it's a guy who's down on his luck and he makes something of himself.
1: I feel like you're just describing the first one.
0: Yeah. The other two <laughs> are not so great, but the first one really it really has it all.
1: <laughs> all right. I have great news. During my research, which was me just Googling this fucking movie, <laughs> uh, if you just Google it, there's a cast listing. I'm just gonna show this to you. Look at the picture of Sting.
0: That's, <laughs> that's, that's Sting.
1: Sting the musician is pictured under cast. I don't remember seeing Sting. him.
0: I don't remember. It was, I am not gonna Google that anymore. He looked really big at the in, in the end <laughs> scene where he comes and saves the day. If that's Sting the musician,
1: yeah, that seems misleading. I don't think that was Sting the musician. Good God! I
0: did wonder why he came out to Roxanne. Instead of his tradition. No, we didn't come out to (laughs) Roxanne. Wait, does Sting sing Roxanne? Well, the police did. Jesus.
1: Okay, listen. Speaking of music, that is one redeeming quality of this film. Um, Two kid rock songs, I believe Cowboy, Bow to Bow, Run DMC. I think there was an Old Dirty Bastard song, Hey, Dirty. So it's kind of brought me back to my. So you're saying the
0: soundtrack was like top five? Oh, hands down. Uh, here's another Here's another question I have for you. So, Wendy works at Dimphis Burger, or whatever the name of the fast food No chance it's
1: Dimphis Burger.
0: <laughs> that, that's from Super Jumers. And they're watching the pay-per-view at the fast food restaurant. What would you say the odds are a fast food restaurant actually orders a wrestling pay-per-view and has it broadcasting?
1: Ooh. When was this? 2002? This was 2000. Probably zero. Zero percent chance. I would want to work there though.
0: I mean, that's the ideal workplace.
1: It's actually probably pretty cheap because they only have one TV. So
0: you four hour shift, you get free dinner, <laughs> and they order every wrestling pay per view.
1: Free food, free pay per view. Well, you probably just can't watch it because you're just slaving away back there.
0: You know, just whipping up a frosty. Just
1: so that to you was the most ludicrous part of this film.
0: No, I have. There's a bunch. Like Goldberg shows up at the end to beat up the the mini store clerk. And instead of like wearing jeans and like a cut off t-shirt, he's wearing his wrestling gear.
1: You still seem more upset about so the pay-per-view.
0: So he's out in public in his wrestling Speedo. And <laughs> it's just like, why? What why?
1: What's worse, being out in public in your Speedo or in private and you're all three wearing your full Mountie uniforms for breakfast? with sunglasses that family had
0: a lot of issues he shot the fridge how
1: about when he He shoots the fridge it fucking shoots out different liquids that's not how it works
0: I want to know what was in that fridge
1: apparently it was just very compressed with a a bunch of different colored liquids it was just
0: it was just 40 ounces and and Fantas
1: that's a great name for my (laughs) mixtape 40 ounces and Fantas that's a great ICP album trademark
0: that (laughs) Okay, so give me, some, give me some of your questions here.
1: Oh, okay. How long were Jimmy King and his ex-wife divorced? How long have they been divorced?
0: Well, he hadn't been around for two years, right?
1: Two years. All right. So let's, let's say two years. Uh, follow-up question. How long is it acceptable to have uh, crabs that are untreated?
0: Oh, she had crabs?
1: She takes a big old scoop of her crotch. They zoom in on it, and she goes, the only thing he ever gave me was crabs. As if she still had it when they went to her trailer, which means since he left, she hadn't gotten rid of them. And you can buy shampoo to get rid of crabs. So I've been told. Wow. Well, maybe, so maybe she
0: got those in the doors What's up? You that? get 50% of what he has. He gave her his crabs or hers.
1: That was a terrible joke. You should edit it that one out. wasn't
0: good. I'm going to keep it, though.
1: Unacceptable to have crabs for uh, two years. That's very upsetting.
0: That's a long time to live with that. <laughs> it's a long time.
1: All right. That was my most important question. Uh, also, I asked you if Mr. Perfect was the guy from Kindergarten Cup. Oh, here's one. When, uh, towards the last scene, actually, it's in the middle of it, when they're sneaking uh, Oliver Platt in, in a porta potty. Uh huh. And they go by the Nitro Girls curtain, and they peek in. Why does Arquette and Tweeter keep going naked, 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 and pointing at all the girls that are in bikinis?
0: I think that's part of the... This movie wanted to have an R rating, but probably figured that it would make less money. Also... I mean, it's not like... The Nitro Girls were pretty exploitive as it was, so... They were probably like, you know, no, we're not doing that. Not for this movie. I heard, uh, I read that Rose McGowan was so disenchanted with the script that she threw it in the trash. Was that what? Yeah. That's how much she hated this movie. And then
1: she still did it?
0: You get signed to a contract. You're stuck.
1: I have. A, why don't you sign it after you read the and script?
0: You heard Sinclair. He threatened to kill multiple people in this movie. You can't just quit.
1: Which one was Sinclair? Uh, <laughs> Apache Shawn Michaels? Apache Shawn Michaels, okay. yeah. All right. Question uh, three or four. Did you notice Arquette had a "Hi, my name is Slim Shady" T-shirt on at one point? I believe it's when he's partying out back with the Nitro Girls.
0: Oh, when they have their uh, their (laughs) giant uh, rave underneath the bridge.
1: It's like the sticker on the shirt that says "Hi, my name is." And Oliver
0: Platt falls into a manhole cover Mm -hmm. when he's trying to escape. Yep. Oh, me, Gene is in that scene, and uh,
1: between that shirt. And what Oliver Platt wears, not in the ring, I am convinced that this wardrobe was chosen by someone just going into Walmart.
0: Pretty close. 100%. 100%. Mean Gene, in that scene, partying with Jimmy the King, turns to him and says, do you think I'm sexy? (laughs) That
1: did seem a little, uh, it was either forced or that's how Mean Gene really gets when he's drunk and he was
0: drunk. Hey, Okerlund, Okerlund's a legend. He can do whatever he wants. And on the scale of weird jokes in this movie, that ranks relatively low. Considering at one point a their truck crashes, it's crashed into by a toilet paper toilet truck. Toilet paper truck. And everyone watching this scene unfold is splashed with all the poo juice from the overturned truck. There was a lot of
1: gross... Oh, speaking of poo, here, here's a question. When kid is like playing a prank on Twitter who goes and craps in the porta potty. Is he like sucking like the poop out of the toilet and like sucking stuff out of his butt? Is he's, that the joke? Yeah, he's
0: power cleaning the what would be in there, but they'd already cleaned the toilets.
1: Okay. I thought it was gonna to lead to like also a pink he, sock.
0: He accomplishes this prank because in his infantile brain he thinks that crossing your fingers is an acceptable ruse against promising you're not going to do something to somebody they I've, even like zoom in on his fingers crossed like oh man he really got him i'd like to <laughs> he nailed it i'd like to i'd like them
1: to make the sequel to this movie that's just tweeter and gordy meeting up in like a some sort of remedial studies high school class where their teacher's like yeah you're both on the spectrum but you're going to be best friends for life and then uh they come together through their love of wrestling. I'd like to see that
0: movie. This movie could have been really good if... Well, not this particular movie, but a movie about... I was going to disagree with you very hard. A movie about wrestling could be very good if it was just about people aspiring to become something, which, yes, they want to become wrestlers, but it's so insulting to their intelligence and to wrestling fans and to the sport of wrestling. It's just so disingenuous by the end when everyone's like, oh, you guys are so great. It's like, no, you just spent... An hour and a half telling these guys that they're just absolute clowns. So I understand this movie is PG-13, but can we talk
1: about the sex scene?
0: Uh, Where he punches the woman in the face?
1: (laughs) Where he's at Rose McGowan's place eating food with chopsticks like a maniac. He's just stabbing stuff. (laughs) Stabbing it, yeah. There are various paintings and illustrations of Rose McGowan all over the place. Even in her bedroom. Do you think those were props, or I, she actually she just has brought them in? Yeah. And then they start having sex. Well, they start like dry humping, and he, and when she takes off her shirt, he yells foreign objects and punches her in the mouth.
0: Yeah, that's the second time he yells foreign objects. Then they the
1: zoom out, and the shadow is just them fighting.
0: Yeah, they get like a just a knockdown drag out.
1: I feel like it would have been more respectful and more PG-13 just to show him having sex, not him just beating the crap out of a woman.
0: I'm not, I'm not sure they could have choreographed it in such a way that it would have been as tasteless as most of the film is.
1: Uh, it was a very problematic scene for me, but it goes back to uh, my plot for the movie, my uh, my description in one sentence violently actually goes back to my uh, name for this podcast irate lover very accurate which
0: she got out of a wu-tang clan name generator
1: <laughs> i followed in the footsteps of donald glover childish gambino and put my name into the wu-tang clan name generator and i am the irate lover
0: so i think we've got covered the main movie so we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back talk about some of the things we discovered or i discovered or he discovered on the internet while looking into the behind the scenes of this film now I don't want to leave the plot of this movie without mentioning Sal bandini who is the best character in the movie by far
1: oh you mean the the older gentleman that uh, I think when they first meet him it appears that he roughed up a high school wrestling team and
0: that was that could have been one of the more troubling parts <laughs> that he literally stretches these like 13 year old kids to the point where they're all in like. Stretches. Bandages. Did you say stretches these yeah, 13-year he stretches them.
1: you might want to work on <laughs> your wordplay. Okay. Who used more stunt doubles? That guy who is There's roughly the, 87 years old.
0: Lando had zero stunt doubles. <laughs> I resent the suggestion.
1: Bandini or Jimmy King who used more stunt doubles?
0: I'm telling I there was zero stunt doubles for Sal Bandini. That's just disrespectful. Zero.
1: Okay, I got one more question for you.
0: He's the stretching
1: master. The that also not great. That's not a great, not a great name. It's an insider term. Is it? He's really good at stretching thirteen-year-old boys. Is that what you would I'm say? I'm telling
0: you. Well, Sal Bandini. This is a problem. Loose, also loosely based on a real life wrestling figure, according to my, the Google machine. He was loosely based on Stu Hart, who's the patriarch of the Hart family: Brett the Hitman Hart, Owen Hart, Jim Neidhart. I'm you loosely know. based on Jim
1: Neidhart. True. Here's a question for you. So, not Wendy, but I want to say Brittany, the blonde girl at the fast food restaurant? The
0: one that won't give them the time of day, but she works at a fast food restaurant.
1: Well, to be fair, I would say sucking shit out of porta-potties is just beneath, I mean, fast food worker. So, she actually has a point. I I was fighting, trying to figure out what I know her from. And I don't think you'll ever get this.
0: Did you look it up? Yeah. Okay, because I had no idea who she was. Uh,
1: Did you ever watch Arrested Development? Uh, On and off.
0: Okay. I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, so for
1: the fans out there, she is the public relations woman that comes in to help out Michael. He flirts with her on the bike when they're working out, and then she comes in and tries to fix everything, and... They end up not dating, but she's the public relations lady from Arrested Development. You're
0: welcome. Well, there you go. We'll end on that, and we'll come right back for the next segment. Okay, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We're on to our second segment of the Ready to Rumble Superpod. And that is, we're not scholars, but here are some things we were able to find out by surfing the web. So the triple cage match, which is the ultimate match, the finale of this movie, it's the climax, it's this big event.
1: I had a real
0: problem with this. With the triple cage? Yes. Okay. Tell me some problems. What what were your issues with the triple cage?
1: My number one problem is one of the weapons, I believe on level two, was a wooden crutch.
0: (laughs) The crutch is a solid weapon. (laughs) No, it's not.
1: I can't uh, name one wrestling event where you've actually seen a wooden crutch used.
0: I've seen crutches before. Stop. A wooden oh, one. I <laughs> definitely. I think I think in 96 or 07 when Bret Hart was back in the in the new Hart Foundation in WWE.
1: Yeah, but he had a crutch.
0: Well, yeah, legitimately he needed. Right. There were
1: crutches. no no people using crutches. There was just a crutch on top of the cage they used to hit someone with.
0: They were probably anticipating Oliver Platt tearing something <laughs> That's fair. on his way up to the <laughs> second level.
1: The crutch was there for support. I I also wanted to know, could Oliver Platt actually climb those chain ladders? I don't think he could.
0: There's zero chance. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably, heavy editing was involved. You know, because as we said, Canyon was his stunt double. Canyon had to put on roughly 40 pounds to portray DDP Jimmy King. G- I believe DDP did look good. And this believe, is before yoga, so yeah, he's probably you know, even this is like shape old now. school DDP, the master of the diamond cutter. I eat a lot of bacon DDP, and he, he still was, he looked good.
1: Was he known for eating bacon?
0: I don't know. I just made that up. But he looks like a bacon guy. That's rude. He looked good. He did look good. Bang. So, the triple cage. Now, when I watched Slam Bury 2000, because my research went even into. WCW pay-per-views, and I knew that they'd use the triple cage in an actual pay-per-view. And at Slambury 2000, it was Diamond Dallas Page mm. versus David Arquette mm-hmm. versus Double J, J E Double F, J A Double R E Double T Jeff Jarrett in the triple cage for all the beans. And the world champion was David Arquette. This was a real wrestling event. It was a real event. Was Canyon it, was thrown off the top of the cage. Not the t- tippity top, but the first layer of it. Was it
1: made to promote the movie? Yes.
0: Yeah. So they thought that it would help promote the movie if they brought David Arquette in prior to it being released. So he was around for a number of events. And one of the cooler things he actually did was he he didn't accept any of the money for his participation in WCW events. He donated it all to Brian Pillman's family. And Brian Pillman, uh, he was in WCW for a long time, but he was also in WWE. He had died fairly recently. I was actually at the pay-per-view event. He was supposed to wrestle, and they had uh, a dwarf wrestling match instead. It was supposed to be Goldust versus Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman had abducted Goldust's wife Marlena, and then that match never happened. And we didn't find out for like a week that Brian Pillman had had a heart attack in a St. Louis hotel room and passed away. Well, that's very tragic. But what
1: I thought you were going to say was
0: David Arquette didn't
1: take any money because they just paid him in cocaine.
0: I'm sure there was some of that too. I mean, this was the the Russo era. If you
1: watch this movie, he is shouting when he's mad, when he's happy, when he's enthusiastic, when he's calm. He just goes in and out of shouting like a madman.
0: He is at an 11 for the entire film. But he also, it's pretty clear that his character subsists on only slushies.
1: Sugar, cocaine, and Tourette's.
0: And poo poo water. Again, I can't watch that
1: scene. By the way, we had totally different reasons
0: for not liking the triple cage match. What was your reason for not liking it? It's just an impractical match. It, like when you watch it, it, like in the movie, it's it's fine. They cut it okay, and it's not particularly long. And Sting comes flying out of nowhere and kicks DDP off the top to save Jimmy the King. This is after Sinclair threatens to kill him. And it's like, wait a minute, Sinclair, Cher- oh, Sincla- Cherokee uh, Shawn, Michaels f- wow, Shawn Michaels is approximately five
1: racist Apache Sean Michaels
0: is approximately five foot four. Sting's like six three. And he's literally which liked, sting
1: the singer or the wrestler
0: oh good yeah good call
1: because <laughs> again I want to remind the listeners if you google this movie under cast you'll see sting was in it but it shows the musician
0: yeah so that's it you know that is that makes it significantly tougher because if it's sting <laughs> the musician I probably pick I probably pick Joey Pants the he- wrestler sting there's there's no way it's Scorpion Death Drop, Scorpion Death Lock, Stinger Splash, adios, one, two, three, see you later. It's done. I mean,
1: the best part about Sting the musician, being a wrestler, is that you know damn well his intro is, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. That's Phil Collins. Fuck. <laughs>
0: You you really wanted that one? Nailed it! I, I was just, so excited. I should have just let cut it ride. That.
1: Just edit that out. What's the song saying about the rains, Though? Oh,
0: I dream of rain. No, that's but, Toto.
1: No, no, that's uh, Africa. Sting is um,
0: fields of gold.
1: <laughs> All
0: right, you know what? We shouldn't karaoke Sting cut, anymore. Cut that out. I I would have thought we had a a better grasp of sting hits
1: fields of barley it's fields of something
0: I don't think it's barley this is good radio it's it makes certainly alright so as I said David Arquette's champion at Slambury he'd won the title roughly two weeks before he loses it by betraying DDP in favor of Jeff Jarrett what they don't tell you in the movie is the second level of the cell is the crutch level the crutch level it's called uh, it's it's uh it's called hardcore hell. That's aggressive. And literally there's like four weapons in it, so I, it's really not that bad in there. It's like a couple of steel chairs uh, a crutch, don't forget the crutch and the crutch yeah so is
1: so Jeff Jarrett why, why didn't they use Jeff Jarrett as Oliver Platt's character
0: also would have been better. Jeff Jarrett's pretty charismatic He can't get kicked in the nuts like 14 times
1: like Oliver Platt does.
0: Dude, Sal Bandini would stretch Jeff Jarrett so bad. Yeah, stop talking about Sal Bandini stretching dudes. It's not okay. Uh, Third level of the cage at Bree, 2000, just filled with guitars. How how many guitars? Four guitars. There's two guys in the match, there's four guitars. That's... They used all of them. That seems like a lot. It's a lot of guitars. Still a better weapon than a crutch. This should surprise you not at all. That pay-per-view event took place 10 months before WCW sold to WWE. That was it. If you watch the pay-per-view, you'll understand. Or just check out the poster for the event on our Twitter account, at Flops, which is just Buff Bagwell making a kissy face. He's a gigolo now, by the way. What? Literally, he's a gigolo. There's a Showtime show about gigolos, and he is on the show.
1: I met Buff Bagwell in Dayton, Ohio. Do tell. Oh, uh, I should probably keep that one private. It was late at night after some sort of show. It was a Steak and Shake, right? That's correct. Got his autograph on a Steak and Shake menu with two of my buddies. And Buff is the stuff. He was wearing a Dayton Bombers hockey jersey and yelling about the air conditioning. It was fantastic.
0: <laughs> Not a happy guy, but he loves his Steak and Shake.
1: No, oh, he was happy. He was just... Uh, very aggressive about the temperature in the restaurant. I don't know why he didn't just take off the giant hockey jersey he had on, but you know, whatever. Your buff bag. Well.
0: Wow. This is a man who got multiple calf implants because the first pair didn't go well. So think, his judgment is not sound. Uh, well, if
1: you're going to make a living being mostly nude, I don't. I'm not against you having calf implants. I would say I'd rather have a guy with calf implants playing the lead wrestler of a movie than Oliver Platt, then what are we like? What's, what's his most famous performance?
0: Lake Placid. Lake Placid. <laughs> Velociraptor. Oh. We just become best friends. All right. You have
1: uh, more internet, by the way, again, fans, I did zero research.
0: Okay. So deceased wrestlers, we mentioned a few. We said Kurt Henning, obviously the macho man. Bam Bam Bigelow's in the film. Bam Bam Bigelow comes out of a limo at Nitro. There's zero chance Bam Bam Bigelow ever arrived to a Nitro (laughs) in a limo. Uh, At Slambury 2000, these are all the wrestlers that were just on the card that are no longer with us. Chris Candido, uh, you might remember him. He was from the Body Donnas, who were managed by Sonny in WWE. Are any of the words you just said real? All real. Okay. Mike Awesome, ECW champion.
1: Mike Awesome? That's why don't we use that as my name on the show instead of irate lover?
0: You could be Mike Awesome.
1: Alright, fans we're switching to fans. Fan, we're switching to uh Mike Awesome as my name.
0: Canyon, we mentioned, Henning, we mentioned, Miss Elizabeth. All on the show. All unfortunately no longer with us. I love wrestling. It's always a shame when we lose people because it happens way too often. R.I.P. Now Canyon, Oliver Platt's stunt double. I'll give you just, take a wild guess who was David Arquette's stunt double. Ooh, was it a wrestler? It is a wrestler. X-Pac? That's actually a pretty good call and a close guess. It was Hurricane Helms. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He, he was the guy that dressed up like a stupid superhero, and he called himself the Hurricane. I mean, I, watch uh, out, there's a hurricane I'll coming. Take, I'm taking your word for a lot of yeah. this shit. So, Sal Bandini, played by Martin Landau. For everyone
1: out there, he's the guy from Entourage that says, would that be something you're interested in?
0: Yes. He's also the uh, judge from Rounders. That loans Mike McDee the money. Yes,
1: that's also where I knew him from. So,
0: as I said, he was uh, based on Stu Hart. And I say stretching because... Stop. Stu Hart was notorious for taking wrestlers down into the heart basement, this the Heart Dungeon, very and he would Don't. shoot, wrestle with them and, until they tapped. And he was known for being extremely strong into his old age, which is why Sal Bandini is such a tough old bastard. Now, here's oh a casting. This would have been totally different. Mart Lando ends up playing Sal Bandini. Jack Palance Ooh. was originally set to play Sal Bandini. Jack Palance of Curly from City City Slickers. Slickers
1: City Slickers and Cops and Robertsons. Cops and Robertsons
0: with Chevy Chase. He's I also balance. Nice. I would like uh, that. I can't remember. Yeah, this is killing me because it's from Batman 89, but he's he's the Joker, uh, Jack Napier's boss in Batman 89. Jack Napier? Yeah, the Joker's Jack Napier before he comes to Joker. It's his boss. I forget his name, but I thought you that's were just Jack mispronouncing balance. Nicholson. So <laughs> no. The feud between Titus Sinclair. Who was supposed to be Eric Bischoff and Jimmy the King, was apparently based upon an actual real life feud between Bischoff and Ric Flair.
1: This is Apache Shawn Michaels and Oliver play Yeah,
0: so Ric Flair had been fired because he he apparently didn't show up to a Thunder taping. If you remember Thunder, that was WCW's Thursday night show. That was a mistake in all, oh yeah, all facets.
1: How long after WCW went under did
0: TNA get created by? Jeff Jarrett like years or months it was a couple years I yeah. would say TNA wasn't around until now I could be wrong so if you're a huge wrestling fan and I am wrong just correct me so he wasn't propelled
1: Twitter. into superstardom after the triple cage match he had no. with DDP and David I
0: think Laker. it was like 2003 2004 maybe it was a couple years after because a lot of guys went over to WWE and uh some of them stuck Booker T. Some of them didn't stick. Scott Steiner, who's a legitimate maniac, but also a hell of a nice guy. I met him at Comic Con one year, and we talked all about how much he hates Hulk Hogan, and he was still a massive human. Uh, and he was really, he was really, really nice to me, but he was a very bitter, bitter man. <laughs> Just not happy with the state of wrestling, and sort of how he got blackballed by a certain. Uh, promotions aka world wrestling entertainment
1: when i google tna wrestling it switches it to impact wrestling is that the same thing yeah
0: impact is the same thing i think it was tna then it became impact yeah 2002 so alternate ending to the movie oh wait, wait they wait. actually did two endings
1: hold on how did this one end
0: well this one ended with them I, you know, I don't even recall. I just know I know that DDP falls through the cage. Uh-huh, they uh-huh. pull the Mankind. He gets basically slammed through the entire cage yeah. with just a routine body slam. Also, come on, guys. Give me something better than that. I think Jimmy were... the King with a double axe handle finisher and a body slam? You're really nerding out? Come on. And he falls through <clears> the whole cage. Doesn't die. This is like a 45-foot drop. Through the, the crutch... I don't know if the crush was actually there. Well, I believe could have cushioned the impact. Someone murders Rose McGowan with a ladder at some point. She gets hit in the face with a ladder. Why she's in the triple cage, I don't know. And that's like a gag. It takes way too long for her to get. Joey
1: does Joey Pants die too when they throw him in the crowd? I think he gets murdered by the crowd. He
0: gets dismembered. It's sort of like Shaun of the Dead, where the guy, the annoying best friend, gets dragged through the bar window. Just blood guts everywhere. No, kinda, that, it didn't happen, but he does get... He kind of crowd surfs, and he's throwing, like, crystals at people, and he's no, having like a that, good old No, that's, that's inaccurate. Beads. He's not throwing crystals. He's pulling out buffalo
1: jerky. Rain dancing. Everybody loves him. Yeah, they threw him in the crowd, and the crowd tore him apart.
0: Yeah, he died. Sad. R.I.P. Now, we talk uh, a lot about Jimmy the King being a giant loser
1: so his son uh, you keep saying Jimmy the king is Jimmy it Jimmy king. king Jimmy
0: King but he is the king he's he's king and the king he's king I because know that because he sings a real his last James name C is King song. but he also wears a crown and he has a scepter so he's the king and the king
1: he's king, he's he, king is he. King. is he Jimmy King because he's dressed like a king or is he Jimmy King because he impersonates Elvis
0: both so he's actually he's actually the king the king, the king. he's king the king the king Elvis impersonator, an actual king, with probably land titlements and several other things, and then that's his last name. That's very upsetting. Crown scepter, Elvis. Crabs. Last name, Crabs. Uh, the betrayal of him by his son. His son shows up. King King Crab would be a good wrestler gimmick. Was also based on David Flair betraying his father, Ric Flair. Uh, and if you watch Slambury 2000, which I don't recommend because it's just botch after botch, and it's just, you can tell why WCW was done. Russo I'll take your word nightmare. for that, and I won't watch it. It's so bad. Or do, and... <laughs>
1: Wait, just to be clear, Jimmy King's son in this was based on a real
0: person? So the betrayal angle was David Flair betraying Ric Flair, okay. which they actually did as an angle multiple times, but it happened at Slambury 2000. Gotcha. Uh fall of wcw the monday night wars which were legendary wcw won 83 weeks in a row the last victory they had was in october of 1998 2000 the year this movie was released the year that they were supposed to bring back all their fans with this fancy schmanz wrestling movie that basically told all their fans they were morons wcw lost 62 million dollars alone on dead money contracts that were guaranteed for aging wrestlers. See,
1: that's what I can't remember because Monday Night Raw was so much more popular when I was in like 7th and 8th grade. But I also loved the NWO on WCW. So is this post or pre-NWO? This is
0: post-NWO. And I think that's one of the larger issues with the movie because I love the NWO. I was a huge NWO mark.
1: And granted, it, yeah, run, said it's, it, first, so.
0: it run its course... By this point, but if you're gonna make a movie and you're gonna remind people why they used to love your promotion, maybe you include the three most three of the most charismatic people in the company, Hulk Hogan. Say what you will about him; he's very good on the mic. He's actually good in movies he's been in. Kevin Nash is the friggin' Super Shredder, and then the uh, and Mexican Scott guy. Scott Hall was always the man. So, <laughs> and they just don't the NWO doesn't exist in this movie at all, except for on the blanket Wendy wears after. Who's the Mexican guy that wore the bowler's hat and the wolf pack? Conan. He's in the movie. What briefly. He's one of the King's men, but he's also in the Nitro match where Rey Mysterio has no mask on. Damn it. So it's just it's just weird. Like those guys were under contract. Really? And they Kevin didn't Nash them? has been in a bunch of movies. And he's the super shredder. Yeah. He's I... also the Russian in the Punisher. Greatest fight scene. Fantastic. Comic book history
1: it's
0: pretty close it's like top five okay top five but that'll be a topic for another podcast we're gonna we're going to cover the Punisher with Thomas Jane because it's awesome
1: someone gonna be stretching out dudes in that movie too
0: I bet you Schneider could stretch people what's your that's uh, the Punisher's dad I bet you he stretched it's very upsetting
1: what uh what do you got for your internet learnings we done or you got some okay so
0: a couple more things Brian Robbins director of this movie I want you to tell me, based upon the three options I'm going to present to you, whether this was the worst movie he ended up directing. Option one, Raider Rumble, which we just talked about a lot. Option two, Norbit. Jesus. Option three, welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. May I take your order? (laughs) So,
1: a Nickelodeon movie, a WCW movie, and an Eddie Murphy movie. In a fat suit. Where... I think Eddie Murphy just had total control.
0: Where Eddie Um, Murphy was like, you are paying me by the pound. I, (laughs) man, it's gotta
1: be this, right? This had a lot of potential, but it it just, it wasn't even like entertaining. It was, it was gross. It was corny. It was, I don't know. It just, some, like some of it felt like, uh. There's a, there's a show or a movie, Cool as Ice, with Vanilla Ice. And um, there's a show about... It um, had, like, Little Bo Peep in it. And Little Richard was playing the piano and stuff in it. It was, like, a nursery rhyme rock and roll show. Like, it felt like that fake. Like, every time I saw the dad and they all pulled the guns on him and the They seemed out of place, for
0: sure. Yeah, you know, like... And so did the ex-wife and, and, the, and it, his son... Yeah, it was just... Uh, and uh, Patchy, Shawn Michaels. It,
1: what did I know his ex-wife from, by the way? Was she like in a...
0: Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> She's one of the aunts. I take that as disrespect. I think her name is Caroline Ray. I think uh, that's it. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Yeah, this this is, this is was a pile of garbage. So my vote is for Norbit. No. Only because Norbit is like one of those things, that when you see it on Eddie Murphy's resume, you just kind of like you cry a little like Adventures of Pluto sense. Nash was worse I'd rather watch Pluto Nash oh, a you're... million times over one it has Android Randy Quaid Okay I mean come on Android Randy Quaid That's yeah, I'm still out At one point I think that was the biggest box office bomb of all time so we might have to I think that John Carter movie overtook it right We might have to talk about Pluto Nash
1: yeah, I don't I don't really See, here's the thing. You can make me watch some of these that I haven't seen before, but I'm not going to revisit Pluto Nash. Like this, I hadn't seen it before. so. <laughs> sucks I had, for you. I had medium expectations coming into it, but it was uh, it was tough to watch.
0: All right, last thing I'm going to say. When they hire the two wrestlers to come and beat up Sal Bandini. Psycho Sid. They literally picked the two best guys to do it. Psycho Sid, if you've never heard this story... Uh, Way back It was in the I think it was early 90s WCW They were on a On the road They were in Germany They'd just taken a long flight Him and Arn Anderson Slugging beers Drinking Arguing over Ric Flair's Inflated pay That argument Turns into Psycho Sid Showing up at Arn Anderson's door At the hotel They get in a brawl He hits Arn Anderson Over the head With the leg of a chair That he had snapped off and Arn Anderson stabs him multiple times with a pairs of si- pair of scissors. This is a true story. Now you can look <laughs> this up on the internet. It's like one of the most notorious wrestler fights outside like the arena ever. It,
1: what how do you why do you stab someone with a pair of scissors? It's, he's the enforcer. That's
0: uh a... Arn Anderson doesn't play any games, dude. You gotta be in a dark place. He's he's the enforcer. Four nice. horsemen baby. And Perry Saturn I love Perry Saturn. That's who that was. He, uh, you can, uh, on YouTube, they have it. Do you remember the brother from bigger, stronger, faster? I think he's the oldest brother that desperately wanted to be a professional wrestler. Yeah. He's not one of the two that were, he's the one that passed. He passed away. Yes, I do. So he was in WC or WWE, I think multiple times, like he got tryout matches and he wrestles Perry Saturn. Mm. And he botches a couple moves, and Perry Saturn legitimately kicks the shit out of this guy. (laughs) In the ring, like just shoots on him hardcore, throws him out of the ring onto his head, slams him into the steps. It's on YouTube, so you can check that out. That's the last things I have for my little bit of internet research. I learned a ton of useless information. Yeah, a lot of it. So when we come back, We're going to bring in our all-time worst wrestling gimmick scale to judge where we would rank uh, Sean or Scott Conn's character. A tweeter. um, tweeter. Sort of an out-of-work pimp and boring Gordy's gimmick of being a biker cop. So we'll be back. Okay, welcome back. Hops and box office flops. We're on to our next segment. This segment here, which we I didn't really in, introduce in the first episode, since it was just me rambling about uh, Doctor Moreau by myself. the The scale is we're going to take, uh, for example, if you were doing Taken, you'd say on the aging action star scale, where would Liam Neeson's character rank? So on the low end, you'd have like Charles Bronson from Death Wish Four, like by that point it's over, it's done. Or you could have uh, Liam Neeson from the movie where he's on a plane. I feel like that was a good movie. It was average, but you know what's going Wait, the be... one
1: where it crashes and he fights a wolf?
0: No, that's a good movie. There's one where he's on a plane and he's fighting terrorists. <laughs> I think it's called... Not, it's Maybe it's called nonstop. Non-Stop. Yeah. Seen
1: it. Fantastic film.
0: Uh, I do want to see the one where he is an aging, angry... Terminal? ...snowplow driver, which comes out oh, this Friday. Can't wait. I think it's called Cold Pursuit. <laughs> it's actually at like 93%. So. It's called Old Pursuit. Old Pursuit. Nailed it. It's a play. Play on words. So... Today, it's the all-time worst wrestling gimmick scale. So, on the worst end, you'd have stuff like the Shockmaster. If you don't know who that is, please Google him.
1: You have to watch the video of the Shockmaster. You have to.
0: The Shockmaster is actually Tugboat, if you remember from the tag team, the Natural Disasters with Earthquake. No, nobody remembers that. Tugboat. The Gooker, who was the guy that was birthed out of the egg on Thanksgiving at a WWE event, who was played by, I think it was Eddie Guerrero Sr., uh, the Goon, who was a out-of-work hockey enforcer. That's the, not terrible. He wore he wore skates without the blades of them. All right, I take it back. Uh, the Repo Man, <laughs> who just had tire tracks across <laughs> his singlet. Glacier, who was essentially Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat and was a total flop, and WCW put a ton of money into him. Rocky Maivia, which was the rock when he was a total cheeser, and he'd come out in that stupid gimmick and he had the hair that would flop around and nobody liked him. And Strong disagree? Yeah, he sucked. I like it. Fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. And the Yeti! If you uh-huh. don't know who the Yeti is, please Google that as well. The he Yeti's literally the hugs th- Hulk Hogan to death. The hug y- humps. <laughs> hug hump. The greatest gimmick ever? It's not just a hug. It's like a forceful hump hug.
1: Alright, so that's the low end of the scale. Those are like the ones. Give me, give me examples of like what would be a ten.
0: So the ten, like the rock. Minus the Mind Stone Cold, the Nature Boy, woo, and Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh,
1: a couple of cameos I appreciated. I believe Little Nature, the Ref was
0: in this. Charles Robinson makes an appearance, and the uh, he counts out he counts out Jimmy King at Nitro. The uh, old uh, old lady from
1: uh, Wedding Singer with the meatballs.
0: Yes, and she's just as crude in this movie. Yeah, there you which, go. I guess she's not really crude in The Wedding Singer, but she does rap. It's rapper's Delight, right?
1: One of those tropes of like real played-out movies where it's just a, like a cussing or raunchy grandma. They had to, had to get it in there. Yeah. So in
0: between, these are like average gimmicks. like Doink the Clown. So these are like fives. Yeah. So Doink the Clown, not a great gimmick, but Evil Doink was pretty awesome. Stardust, which was Cody Rhodes, who is... Dusty Rhodes, or Dustin Rhodes' brother, who was Gold Dust. Gold Dust, great gimmick. Stardust, not so great. Coco Beware, the Birdman. IRS. Doink the Clown's a five? I think I I should be a one. Oh my god. IRS. Bray Wyatt's father, by the way. Skinner, who was the crocodile guy who who whose main moves were dip-spit and hitting you with a crocodile hand. Well, there was a guy in the Ready to
1: Rumble who was the... The spitter. The chewer Yeah, or the something? spitter. Just was it the chewer the or the spitter? Head? I don't remember. It was terrible. Yeah. All right, so those are middle of the road. All right. What are, so what are we ranking, the movie or character? We're
0: ranking what Scott Conn's eventual wrestling character, so Sean's character. He's right. just sort of in a zoot suit, so, uh, so how tweeter. would you rank him? And then I'll give you how I rank him. I would put tweeter
1: at somewhere between Paul Bearer and Jimmy Hart. That's so generous. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that many promoters. Fine, like Paul
0: Bearer. I'll give him Paul, Paul Bearer as well, like a six. I guess. You know, I almost once booked Paul Bearer for my friend's birthday party. Percy Pringle? Real name Percy name? Pringle. I is think it Pringle? was a $200 fee. I regret every day not having done that. Seems low. So oh. I read Scott Kahn as the lesser known member of the band, the Cherry Pop and Daddies. They sang Zoot Suit Riot. Yeah.
1: That's what he looked like to me. He looked like an extra from The Mask when he
0: goes dancing. Yes, that's a good call. I will say I ranked him very low. The only thing that's redeeming about his outfit is that he sort of looks like the Reverend Slick who, if you remember, he was Hakeem, the African Dream's manager. Hakeem, formerly known as One Man Gang, definitely not from Africa.
1: This is just turning into a wrestling podcast. All right, right, well, where'd you rank him?
0: I would put him just above someone like the Repo Man. The guy that just had tire tracks on his shirt? Because at least the Repo Man snuck around the ring, and he tried to be elusive. At least I used a promoter. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. So managers, I mean, I like most of the managers, but I guess... That's a problem, right? Managers I don't like. What about that one guy that was
1: with Andre the Giant at the end of his career? Ruined him? Bobby the Brain? Yeah. He's Eden? the
0: best of all time. Jesus. Bobby the Brain's the best. All right. Uh, So, like, maybe Mr. Fuji in the bowler hat. That's where I'd rank him. Not Japanese Mr. Fuji. Where, odd job. Yeah, where he looked like odd job. And he was managing the Orient Express. Now,
1: Arquette, who... Everything that you've said in the last 10 minutes has been filed under racist in my mind,
0: but I haven't said anything. Well, wrestling it. gimmicks are inherently racist. Mm-hmm. I'm not racist. Wrestling gimmicks are racist. <laughs> That's like, wrestling is notorious for being culturally insensitive. At one point, half of the Orient Express wasn't even Asian. Was a Wait, guy. the
1: Oriental Express was a tag team?
0: Yeah. So, Arquette, who's What was their finishing move? I don't think they had one. Not that I remember. Oh, you know what? Maybe he's like the sensational Sherry. I never liked her. She was in the business a long time, but... All right, are we ranking she Arquette me now? as a child. Let's, let's... Okay, on to Arquette. So, he's like the third cop from Chips. The one that drinks on the job. <laughs> there were three cops in Chips? No, he's the third cop you never see because he's always drunk. Oh, I gotcha. Uh you know, there's so many cop gimmicks. Uh,
1: I can't think of one. Oh, I can think of one. Come on. Big uh, Boss Man. Big Boss Man. Yeah. So
0: I, he he's probably like akin to the Mountie. That was a real gimmick? Yeah, there's a Canadian Mountie.
1: They really had to get the Canadian audiences in. And
0: one time he wrestled Roddy Piper in a shock stick match. Like a cattle prod? Yeah, and Roddy Piper won because he was wearing a shockproof vest. I don't think that's a thing, but that's how he won. So I'd rank him right around the Mountie. He's certainly not up there with regular Big Boss Man or evil cop Big Boss Man that told Big Show he was a bastard and then stole Big Show's Dead Father's casket. We need to talk
1: about your knowledge of wrestling at some point, like off the podcast.
0: I love wrestling.
1: But I'll say um, a real average wrestler for me, 'Cause our our like our cat's gimmick, I guess, is what we're ranking. Pretty pretty average, so um the British guy who wrestled people in like red undies, but um like for twenty years he just everybody beat him and then he got a little bit of a push later in life. What was his name?
0: He's talking about one lord Steven Regal, WCW television champion.
1: Yeah, that's average to me, so that's where I'll put him. I'll tell you this. Regal knew how to stretch a dude. You can't say stuff like that on the
0: podcast. (laughs) Guy was a matte technician. It's only rated explicit. So, when we come back to our final segment, Six Degrees of Movie Separation. It's exactly like Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon. Can you connect two actors, one being from this movie, to a completely random actor? This week, Mike Awesome. What was your first name? The... Oh, uh, Irate Lover. The Irate Lover will be tested by me. And put me when on the spot. Back. And here we go Six Degrees of Movie Separation. The two actors I've chosen, and one I say very lightly as actor, is Diamond Dallas Page. Can you connect him to Harrison Ford? Okay,
1: listeners, this is going to be bad radio, so you guys can pause it and try to do this yourself. I'm going to be doing a lot of thinking and uh, guessing here. So Diamond Dallas Page was in...
0: You can use this movie.
1: Oh, thanks. He was in House of a Thousand Corpses, or er, uh, uh, Devil's Rejects, yeah. with um, William Forsythe. That's Ooh, one fourth Ice, That's a strong. That's you're coming for it. I got now. this. Forsyth was in The Rock with. <laughs> I'm not going to say Nicholas Cage. I'm going to say Bokeem Woodbine.
0: <laughs> You've made this considerably more difficult for yourself. Who am
1: I trying to get to? Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. All right, but I'm always going to use Bokeem Woodbine. He's my favorite actor. You know that. Um. Bokeem Woodbine was in Life with Eddie Murphy.
0: Okay, so how many? I think that's three.
1: Okay. Uh, I don't know why I went to Eddie Murphy. Was Eddie Murphy in a movie with Brendan Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No. I need to get, I need to get two Brendan Fraser with this one. So Eddie Murphy.
0: Was in, give me some of Brendan Fraser's co-stars. Brendan Fraser's co-stars? Joe Pesci. (laughs) Uh, I mean, he was in a movie with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Cole Hauser. Matt Damon? Yeah. School time. I
1: should be able, oh yeah, I should be able to get to Ben Affleck then. All right. Even though I wanted to use Bokeem Woodbine, I'll use Nicolas Cage instead. I'm a cat. And then, how how can I get him to uh, Matt Damon?
0: Nicolas Cage to Matt Damon?
1: Or Ben Affleck?
0: Nicolas Cage to Matt Damon or Ben Affleck.
1: Cage was in Face Off with Travolta. With Travolta. Travolta was in... Travolta had to be in a movie with Joe Pesci at some point.
0: <laughs> that I don't know. Uh, so, you've taken a weird route. So... Where are we at now?
1: I went. DDP was with Forsyth. With Forsyth. Forsyth was with Cage. With Cage? And I'm trying to get from Cage to a Brendan Fraser. Uh, give me, give me a Harrison Ford co-star. Oh, that, instead of Brendan Fraser.
0: A Harrison Ford co-star that's not Brendan Fraser. Well, think about the Expendables.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's pretty. Because he's then. in Expendables 3.
0: And that's how actually I got to him, was through Expendables 3. So if you go Nicholas Cage, uh, you could go Eva Mendez.
1: But I want to use Bokeem Woodbine. Oh. So let's use Bokeem Woodbine.
0: What about to Wahlberg in The Big Hit?
1: Bokeem Woodbine was in The Big Hit?
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: No, let's do Bokeem Woodbine was in Dead Presidents with Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard was in Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Well, now what are you at? That's like five now. It? Was it Forsyth, Cage, or Forsyth,
0: Woodbine, Howard. You really should have went Cage to Mendez because that really opens it up. To Eva Mendez? Yeah, because if you go to Eva Mendez, you go to Gosling in uh, A Place Beyond the Pines. Gosling for Blade Runner 2049. There's got to be an easier route. Because, I mean, if we have... You'll be shocked at how easy my route was.
1: Harrison Ford's most popular co-star.
0: Harrison Ford's most popular co-star? Yeah. The Fugitive, Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Were Tommy Lee Jones and Travolta in a movie?
0: I can't think of one off the top of my head. Tommy Lee Jones and Cage? How's that never happened? Cage is too big to share the screen with such an angry man. Well, I mean, so you had Cage wait are
1: Bokeem Woodbine and Wesley Snipes in a movie together
0: I'm sure but I don't know what it is cause he's sort of you know he was in tons of movies as a bit player and by the way Wesley Snipes is in The Expendables 3
1: yeah but I was gonna go um, US Marshals to get to Tommy Lee Jones
0: <laughs> so there was a there was a route I thought about to get to Val Kilmer and of course, then Val Kilmer, you get Tommy Lee Jones, then you get Harrison Ford.
1: Nah, that's not terrible. Yeah. He was not the big hit, you were right. Yeah. Dude, if there's not a Wesley Snipes, Pokemon Woodbine
0: joint, I'm going to be shocked. Oh, that's what it was. So, so it was Nicolas Cage to Elizabeth Shue and Leaving Las Vegas. Elizabeth Shue to Val Kilmer and the Saint. <laughs> the Saint. Val Kilmer to Tommy Lee Jones. Oh. Well, if I could
1: use and IMDB. It'd be Batman Forever.
0: Tommy Lee Jones to Harrison Ford. Shit,
1: we should have used Black Dynamite. Bokeem Woodbine was in Black Dynamite.
0: That's a great movie. Fiendish Dr. Wu.
1: We're doing this segment over again, right? Because now it just sounds like I'm cheating.
0: You are cheating. You're cheating. You've conceded. So let me tell you how I got there. All right. Six Degrees, DDP to Harrison Ford. I went DDP in Ready to Rumble with David Arquette. Arquette in Scream with Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox is in Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren is in The Expendables 3 with Harrison Ford.
1: See, I could have got there with... Courtney Cox was in Friends with uh, Matt, Matthew Perry. Perry. And Bokeem Woodbine
0: was in Almost Heroes with Matthew Perry. <laughs> so technically, I won. So that's our show for this week. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I... I think it was probably a lot more entertaining having my co-host, Mike Awesome, a.k.a. Uh, Irate Lover. The Irate Lover uh, (laughs) on board because it enabled us to do these different segments and go through the movie and play off each other. So uh, not sure what we're going to cover next, but we're open to suggestions. And as I said, if you've got a movie that you love, everybody else hates it, believe me. Send it, send it our way. We'll watch it. We'll Please talk about it. We don't. may not be very kind to it, but a lot of people aren't kind to some of my favorite movies.
1: Don't make me watch anything that's as bad as this. This was terrible. It wasn't great. Here's the thing is, I like most action movies, even the ones that people say are bad from like the 90s and 2000s, but I don't even know where to file this one. It was just so weird, the tone of well,
0: it. Well, if we were going to file it under a wrestling gimmick... This is the gobbledygooker.
1: Not a sports movie. You asked me if it's the worst sports movie ever. It's not
0: even a sports movie. No, it's not. It's really just a movie that demeans the little man. <laughs> um, it's it, it, if By the little man, do you
1: mean um, Southerners, uh, Apaches? Adults who watch
0: <laughs> and believe in wrestling. <laughs> Fans of wrestling. So probably why I was so offended by it, because I love wrestling. I know it is choreographed, but I still love it and just this movie is not the way to get fans back it wasn't it was not the way you were going to reinvigorate your company and boost the bottom line yeah like, hey everybody look we're cool again but by the way you're all losers and this is fake yeah you guys should pass on this one it was yes. not great I'd give it a pass so again thank you to revengeofthefans.com uh, that's where you can find us and be sure to follow us on twitter at hops and bo And you can follow myself, the Thunderous Wizard, at WriterTLK. We'll see you next time on Hops and Box Office Flops.